Welcome to our 23rd Set the Month in Motion monthly podcast and forum, produced in partnership with the City of Fremantle's Building Capacity Program. My name is Tanisha Quinlan and I'm the CEO here at the Fremantle Chamber of Commerce. I would like to start today by acknowledging the traditional owners on the land on which we gather, the Wajak people, and pay my respects to elders past, present and emerging. Whether it be pure philanthropy, you can tell it's early this morning, can't you? Environmental cause marketing, volunteering, or simply being part of an active community. There is a significant and growing body of research evidence that shows giving has financial and social benefit across the bottom line of businesses, large and small. Today, we'll be exploring the process of giving back and why businesses see social responsibility as such an important pillar of doing business in the modern age with some strong leaders in our field. I read a wonderful quote last night by the amazing Maya Anglou that said, I've learned that you shouldn't go through life with a catcher's mitt on both hands. You need to be able to throw something back. And on our panel today, we have three individuals who wear their catcher's mitt on one hand and work very hard to give something back. We'll be talking about that personal experience, but also some of the benefits to business that can come from not wearing a catcher's mitt on both hands. So first up on our panel, I have Gail Armstrong, who is the past president of Fremantle Rotary Club. Gail has been a member of the Rotary Club of Fremantle since 2013. She has served on the governing board of the club since 2014 as the youth director, secretary and club president. In her two years as club president, Gail oversaw the celebration of the club's 90th birthday, as well as initiating and supporting projects that will strengthen the club as it moves into its 10th decade. Joining Rotary as a way of giving back to the community has led to Gail's involvement in a range of youth activities in local schools, as well as participating in a wide number of other projects. I'm sure most of you are aware of Rotary, but um, for those who aren't, it's an international service organisation whose stated purpose is to bring together business and professional leaders in order to provide humanitarian service and to advance goodwill and peace around the world. Rotary creates pathways for members to improve their lives and the lives of those through service projects. And so on that, Gail, and I'm just going to take my glasses off because I've realised they're new and I can't see very close anymore. We're thinking about those different projects and obviously that's a big part of what Rotary does is that sense of bringing business leaders together and finding ways, I guess, to take the catcher's mid off and give something back. Can you talk us through some of the projects and campaigns you've undertaken with Fremantle Rotary Club in this community and what benefit you see on a personal and professional level to giving back? Thanks, Tanisha, and thanks for inviting me along this morning. Uh, the Fremantle Rotary Club is um, very much concerned with local community activities. And, for example, we've just completed an annual GADGAT campaign, which we class as uh, Give a Damn, Give a Can, where we do a canned food collections through local schools and local shopping centres. And we usually get uh, seven or $8,000 worth of cans, which we donate to St Patrick's and then St Patrick's disseminate that to those who need it in the local community. So that's very successful and it's very well supported amongst our community groups. Uh, we are a big supporter of local schools. We provide citizenship prizes to most of the local schools. We support youth programs which are offered by Rotary such as the National Youth Science Forum and uh, a program called RILA which is Rotary Youth Leadership where we train future young leaders and there is another uh, another um, program called RIPEN which is for a younger, younger community group. 
We do we collect uh, socks and beanies for homeless people each year. We run an annual golf day through uh, City of uh, sorry Fremantle Golf Course, uh, which is corporate sponsorship, and we donate the entirety of those funds raised to Spinnaker Medical Research Foundation as well as the Motor Neuron Society because we combine that with Atterdale Rotary Club and uh, numerous smaller campaigns through the course of the year. For example, last year we did a big collection for Zonta House, which is a women's refuge. We uh, do uh, knitted teddies or we provided teddies for Red Cross and a range of community activities where we can involve different um, cohorts, if you like, different groups and different interest groups in the community as well as in the club because people who join Rotary often have a particular um, interest, a particular campaign or a particular charity that they like to support. So if somebody, if a member comes to us and says, oh, I'm really interested in supporting this group or uh, this, I see this as a need in our community, most Rotarians are only too happy to say, how can we help you do that? And they're, they're very keen to um, get on board and commit to a wide range of charitable causes. So do you find often it's the, the individual, I guess, looking to take their, I guess, their catches knit off and, and having a look at what they may want to bring and then using, I guess, the combined force of the members and Rotary to find a way to give it back? Would you say that's yes. something that drew you to the organisation? Very much so. And what drew me to the organisation was the chance to participate in a wide range of um, community issues, I guess, because um, what I've noticed since being in Rotary is if someone has an idea and says, uh, this is what I'm interested in, then most Rotarians will put their hands up and say, how can I help you do that? And we do have uh, a, a big um, push to be involved in local business. We have for the past three years uh, had a local young business persons network which meets monthly and that is not just networking as such but it, it has a focus on educating and every month when the group meets there's a speaker which will talk about an aspect of business which will be relevant to young people who are setting up a business and trying to uh, make their way in the business world. So it's really that collective mm. nature that kind Very of brings so. people together. Very much so. And next mm. on our panel we have the lovely uh, Sue Stepachuk, Executive Director of Fremantle Foundation. And Sue, Fremantle Foundation in many ways is about bringing that collective good together. Sue joined Fremantle Foundation in late 2019 and brings with her more than 10 years experience working for not-for-profits in the areas of art, mental health and tourism. Uh, in addition, Sue has substantial knowledge in social impact and extensive national and international corporate experience in the areas of stakeholder engagement and business development. Sue, your passion is for Western Australia and uh, inspiration in building stronger communities was also born from your experience in, uh, in being in, a, I guess, a regional town of um, the southwest town of Esperance, amazing and beautiful part of the world where you were part of a, a large farming family who were very active in better serving the local community. And I think a lot of that focus in regional communities is very much as Gail described. You know, it is a sense of coming together and giving. And you have a special connection with Fremantle, which was the port of arrival for your parents-in-law who fled Europe in 1949 post-war. 
you have a postgraduate degree in social impact at the University of Western Australia, hold a Bachelor of Business degree from Edith Cowan and a Cert for in Strategic Marketing and Management Essentials from the Australian Institute of Management. So an incredibly um, strong academic, I guess, background and base to, to what you deliver in the not-for-profit sector. So the Fremantle Foundation has a really unique giving model. Um, can you explain more about how the Fremantle Foundation maximises an organisation's positive impact on the community? Gail, I'll just get you to hand the mic over. Uh, thank you, Denisha. And um, yeah, it's great to be part of today's panel and discussing the important business of um, giving back to the community. Uh, as you said, um, Fremantle Foundation is connected to community. We are a community foundation based in Fremantle. Uh, it was established 10 years ago by the Fremantle community for the benefit of Fremantle and broadly WA. Um, during that time, we've been able to, about $5 million has been contributed um, by donors and we've been able to grant out about $2.5 million of that over the last 10 years and we manage a corpus of uh, approximately $2.5 million as well. So that's that endowment model that's there to give. So we've been able to give now in the present but we've also established that corpus so we can give into the future. Um, and during that process, we've been able to support hundreds of different not-for-profits um, predominantly in the Fremantle area. Uh, so community foundations, um, they actually help build and strengthen communities uh, through their giving. We use a structure um, of a public ancillary fund and that makes it easy for individuals, families, businesses, um, friends, community groups to, to establish a philanthropic fund and develop grant making strategies that align with their specific interests. So we as the Fremantle Foundation, we take care of all of the admin that goes with that. There's there's quite a lot of um, regulatory requirements around uh, giving and charities. Uh, so we manage all of that paperwork, the compliance, the diligence and, um, and allow our donors to focus on the joy of giving and the impact that that has in the community. Um, so back to your original questions, why should businesses, um, or sorry, in addition to your original question, why should businesses see social responsibility as, as important? So that was part of your original topic. And the obvious benefit of corporate philanthropy is that it provides much needed support to worthy causes and it increases the company's visibility and it employs, um, improves employee morale. But there is a more strategic way to think about philanthropy uh, because businesses don't function in isolation from society you know, that surrounds them. So in fact, their ability to compete depends heavily on the circumstances of their location um, where they operate. So strategic corporate philanthropy that brings businesses' um, social and economic goals into alignment improves the company's long-term business, business prospects as well. So we've been very fortunate that um, we've got some wonderful corporate uh, funds that have been established. Uh, one of those is the Bibberman Fund, and uh, that has been established through um, Kulbadi, which is an Indigenous-owned stationery company, the biggest one in Australia. And they put aside a percentage of their profits into their Bibberman Fund with the Fremantle Foundation. And we manage their giving back into um, Indigenous... Uh, uh, sorry, Indigenous enterprises. So it provides opportunities um, for Aboriginal enterprise and entrepreneurs entrepreneurial leaders um, to do business. So that's just an example of how that perfect alignment of um, values and um, business, business So you've goals got go. a, an organisation, I guess, that has set a value to say, we want to be giving back in some way and we're willing to put a percentage of our profit into something. Yeah. 
how we define what that is is something that we need help with and they come to the Fremantle Foundation and they're able to put those funds together and have, and we'll talk to Gavin in a minute just about some of the sort of challenges of that regulation of, of not-for-profit and foundations but provides that structure. Is that sort yeah, of Yeah, exactly. Great. So we work out how those values um, align with their business um, and their economic returns as well. So to help them um, obviously achieve the impact that they want in the community but also a driver to help um, grow their economic returns as well. And I think that's a really important part of today's conversation is also those values because, you know, if you are going to make a difference, you need to make a difference in something that you are truly passionate about. And I think Gail made the comment that people, you know, often come to Rotary with something they're passionate about and it's about channeling that idea because that's when I think the heart's really in what we are doing. And I think organisations, you know, we talk a lot about value, but this giving back is an amazing way to almost really clearly and tangibly demonstrate what that value is. And do you see that when organisations or individuals come to you that they have a, I guess, a specific attachment to certain areas of giving um, that you have to try and facilitate? Yeah, look, it's a whole range. So some people have, as you said, a personal attachment or a passion for a certain area or a history. Uh, so we're able to, but they don't necessarily know what um, charities are out there to support in that area, so we can provide them with that. <clears throat> sorry, that knowledge with regards to um, who they can give to to support the um, cause or area that they uh, are most interested in. Some organisations or individuals just come to us and say, "We want to give back. How how do we do it? Where can we make the most impact? Where's the most need?" So we provide them with that research. So we're connected to that not-for-profit um, sector here in Fremantle and broader WA. So we're, we're connected on a community level. So we've got those grassroots connections that feed that information back to us. And that's been developed, as I said, over those 10 years with you know hundreds of organisations that we've been able to grant to. And that knowledge is so important to getting that benefit of giving back as well, knowing that the organisations that you're giving to, you know, have a, an ability to deliver on what they've committed to and that that governance is so important. And that's probably a great lead in to, to Gavin and I'll just make sure when we talk with the mic we just hold it a little bit closer to our mouths as well um, if that's okay just to make sure the audience out there can actually hear us. Gavin, Senior Manager, Perth Advisory Team for RSM, thank you for coming down to Fremantle so early this morning to be with us. Gavin has worked with RSM um, for almost 10 years providing a wide range of taxation and business advice to a variety of clients specialising in the provision of strategic solutions, commercialisation support to new businesses as they look to establish and scale their business ideas. Um, RSM have been incredibly long-term supporters of the Chamber and we're very grateful for your expertise here this morning, Gavin. Gavin, your experience uh, is working with a range of businesses throughout WA across a diverse range of industries, including labour hire, technology, building construction, mining, retail, manufacturing, Hospitality, goodness, it sounds like Fremantle, doesn't it? Hospitality, transport, health, agriculture, produce and the not-for-profit sector definitely sounds like a, a great summary of almost the diversity of industries that we have in Fremantle, Gavin. Um, but notably, you've recently provided a lot of service to um, the not-for-profit sector, advising on and implementing a corporate restructure for a large Indigenous organisation uh, to assist obtaining charitable status and being recognised as the deductible gift recipient and assisted with the establishment of a number of not-for-profit ch charities, including advice on structuring and obtaining tax concessions. This world of giving that we're just sort of describing here is incredibly complex, isn't it? You know, we go from everything from volunteering and how we, you know, work through, I guess, you know, time and HR aspects of that. We've got, you know, when we're sponsoring and the difference between sponsorship giving and sometimes even that can incur tax 
you know, bet, I guess, um, hurdles in terms of fringe benefit tax if we're all swanning off to the ballet once a week. And also then obviously the tax deductibility and what charities have tax deductibility versus those where we just give because they're doing a really good thing. In your experience as a business advisor and across all of those different styles of giving, what benefits do you see in supporting the not-for-profit sector and what are some of the key challenges for the not-for-profit sector, I guess, in doing business in this space? Okay. Firstly, thanks Thanks for having me. You're welcome, um, Gavin. So, yeah, I, I guess I'm sitting a little bit on the other side of the fence trying to ad- advise people, advise businesses setting up and how to best establish um, themselves in this not-for-profit sector because a lot of people, there's a lot of good people in the world and they, they want to do things and, um, and, and give back. But unfortunately, there's a lot of red tape and um, a lot a lot of kind of issues in terms of being able to do that, which is slightly unfortunate. You just want to hit the ground running with with your idea of giving back. Um, so it, it's it's great that I can be in a position to provide a small amount of services and have a large impact in in kind of establishing um, these these structures, these not for profits, these charities. Um, and and essentially to make them attractable, uh, attractive to uh, potential employees by getting FBT concessions, make them attractable to to donors by getting them income tax concessions, and best position them to to grow so they can actually achieve um, what they're setting out to do. So um, I think it's incredibly important to um, help them establish, but unfortunately, there's a lot of a lot of uncertainty around the, the different types of structures. Um, I think you mentioned a public ancillary fund. There's another dozen types of structures that, that a charity can es- establish as and different types, um, uh, different categories of charities and not-for-profits are best suited to different structures. And uh, yeah, unfortunately, there's a, there's a lot of ambiguity around that and, and often we don't want to Obviously, are working at a large national accounting firm, um, RSM. We're, we're very big on the, the corporate social responsibility and, and giving out our, our time. We're, the the sponsorship, sponsorships and the donations um, uh, were gener- generous in that regard. But today, we've got a, a service that could hopefully add a little bit more value. So I've got the freedom to probably o- overstep in terms of the amount of time that we provide in in in, um, in that space. But it's it still can be a difficult. Um, place to to establish so making that um yeah a little bit cleaner to step through is is where i'll try to operate it's amazing and i think you raise a couple of really interesting points too even around as an individual and as a firm finding ways to give back that are relevant to your organization and so in in your case with rsm you know being leaders in that sort of advisory accounting which is a skill set that's often really difficult to access if you are a small charity or a not-for-profit aligning you know the skills that you have with what an organization needs is a really big part of it and we're seeing in recent times a huge growth in I guess they're calling it social entrepreneurship or or social organizations you know as a business model what are the benefits of and how do you get that balance right between I guess, creating a social enterprise that gives back but that you still maintain and get the benefit of being, you know, a not-for-profit or an enterprise in that field. Okay. Um, yeah, I, the, the benefits, it's, it's hard to 
to kind of quantify. And that I guess that's sometimes the challenge because you can't directly quantify the the benefit to what you put in. And um, I guess it's all the intrinsic values, the cultural kind of aspects that, that generally you just have to back it in that it's it's going to um, uh, pay dividends in the end. Mm. So, And that difference between, you know, I guess a, a for-profit business, because we're seeing a lot of those grow at the moment, you know, it's a for-profit business, mm. but there's a deeply entrenched desire to give back, be it, you know, you set up, you know, an amazing sort of, I guess, eco company and then you give a certain proceeds to mm. oceans and those sorts of things. How does that work from a from a tax and an income point of view? Is there a financial bottom line um, benefit to that or is it more about the values that you talked about yeah. and that qualitative stuff? So, so I guess there's a couple of ways to do it. So you talk about the for-profit side. So the for-profit, end of the day, the, the bottom line needs to be attributable to somebody. And if that's the shareholders and the people that are setting the business up, then we can't really say it's a not-for-profit, even if there's all the best intentions there, it just doesn't fit in the income tax category. So other ways to give back would to be do donating their profits to um, other charitable organisations. And essentially the, the other aspect is a not-for-profit charity where we're Basically, the, the the bottom line profit after all of your costs and your admin and, and all of these things is attributed to to the end goal, the the the, the members, the um, yeah, the charitable purpose that you're um, you're supporting. So, and and that's setting up your corporate documents. So there isn't actually the ability to retain any profits. It has to flow. Um, and saying it has to flow is um, that that's why we've set it up in the first place. But some and in many ways, the, the chamber even is, is comes into that category. You know, we're here for our members. We're here to give back to the broader Fremantle community. I can't take the profit out of the chamber and go, yeah, let's all go out for lunch for the rest that's of right. our lives. I'm um, not that we ever have any profit, but you know, <laughs> it is about putting it back into the building or putting it back into giving and and those things. And I, you know, I do think in a in a modern world, particularly we've got. Go fund it campaigns. We've got charity days. We've got international days. You talked about the golfing days um, as well, Gail. You know, as business leaders in this space, um, maybe from perhaps starting um, even from you, Sue, what advice and what sorts of giving back would you advise organisations when they come to you? Um, and or I guess making a choice as an individual in all of that different, I guess, minefield of, of ways and processes to give back. Yeah. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Excuse me. I think the first um, the first sort of thing to make clear is the difference between charity and philanthropy. And charity is more for that immediate um, response and philanthropy is about that long-term impact. So um, you could be connected to a cause and really really help solve social problems um, and, or have a long-term impact in helping um, you know, create, create change. Uh, so that's kind of the... The first bit of the discussion and then exploring as we said what people's passions and interests are and then um, highlighting the fact that we have a unique structure we are the only WA statewide or state focused um, community foundation that was built from the grassroots up most have been um, most foundations in the rest around the rest of Australia were established by an initial big donation but we're quite unique we've worked really hard 
um, over 10 years to sort of create that. So something to be very proud of. And then for corporates, there's a range of um, ways that they can give. So they can either establish a corporate partnership with us, which combines um, both um, a name fund, so establishing establishing a name fund with us, um, where they make contributions to that, and then we um, obviously grant out from that name fund, and then there's sponsorship, um, PR, um, employee giving, employee giving programs, volunteer opportunities, those sorts of things. So there's a wonderful corporate package there as a foundation fellow, or there's another opportunity where they can join Impact 100, which is a collective giving program that we run on behalf of the community. And that's where at least 100 community members uh, give $1,000 annually. So collectively, that's $100,000. And there's a grant round that goes out to the not-for-profits here in the Fremantle area. And um, at the end of that, it culminates in a special awards evening where they all get to vote on who the recipient for that um, grant is. And I think hearing that, having been at some of those, um, I guess, Impact 100 um, grant giving nights, it also does highlight just how many amazing organisations are out there and making a decision, you know, trying to vote on, on one of those incredible organisations is so hard when you just see, you know, everything from the those amazing dentists that are giving back to, you know, homeless people through to, you know, people that are giving to young children versus, you know, the PCYC and all of those sort of more traditional organisations. And so what you're saying is that an individual can kind of come, we could name it the Gavin Stacey Fund and he can have his fund and do all of those things and be well regulated and manage all of that administrative tape. Or you can just pop some money in the kitty and be part of that collective um, body, which I guess in many ways, Gail is kind of what Rotary has done for years and years. It is about that collective fundraising and Kitty, and although you don't actually sort of vote on a charity, there's that member-driven um, opportunity to do that. Can I just ask you, Gail, in the many years that you've been involved, what personal benefits do you see organisations or individuals gaining from getting back? What's some of the growth journey that you've seen over the years? I think... Uh Personally, from um, from an individual, I've certainly had the opportunity to um, meet a, a range of new people, made a lot of new friends, contacts um, through, I won't say for myself the world, but as a Rotary member, uh, you are able to visit any one of the 30,000 Rotary clubs worldwide. And for, for many Rotarians, they have made numerous contacts over the years, which has been really helpful for both their personal growth and, if, if relevant, their business growth as well. So that's, um, that's a huge bonus of being a Rotary member because, as you may know, Rotary, Rotary is a huge organisation worldwide and while clubs like Fremantle work at the grassroots level in our local community, you've got 30,000 clubs or more worldwide doing the same thing overseen by quite a, um, a, a large structure, obviously, that both um, provides uh, donations or, or I won't say donations, but grants to local clubs if they need it for particular purposes, if they have a particular um, project they wish to run and haven't quite got the funds, you can make grants at a district level or an international level and uh, that will... Um, support or fund a project that you may have, whether it be a local project or an international project. So personally, it provides for uh, growth in as much as giving you confidence to work with others, uh, 
confidence to speak in public and um, and make um, a huge range of new acquaintances of like-minded people in most cases because obviously people who join Rotary um, have a similar similar belief system and similar values to yourself because um, they want to give back to the community. And it's interesting that sense of collaboration and networks. I um in a prior life set up um, Woodside's Making a Difference program and it looked at, you know, the, the very large philanthropic donations as well as the sponsorships and as well as a huge component of volunteering. And one of the things that always amazed me was when you sent project teams into a, a volunteering situation, just how much more enriched the team building experience was and how many of particularly some of the the sort of more technical teams just really came together because it was an environment and a space that they hadn't really explored before and that understanding of how lucky in a way you can be and how much um, need is in the community for those who aren't so fortunate can be such a bonding experience I think for people whether they were you know painting a um, sort of a shelter for, for someone or putting up a barbecue at something else you know that that sense of volunteering and giving back does build really long-term connections and, and I think Rotary is also a great example of where it also builds business relationships in many ways. You know, as a kid I still remember going to, you know, some of Dad's Rotary gatherings and, you know, the amount of business transactions that occur whilst people are giving back because you're just in that mindset of getting to know people yeah, as they are. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, Gavin, in terms of... Um, organisations um, setting themselves up to be in the best position to give back. Any advice that you would give to either small or large organisations about that? Um, I'd suggest probably from the the organisation setting out, um, just getting, taking the time to pick as many lawyers' brains and the like if you have that opportunity to set it up correctly at the get-go. It's a lot harder to come back after the fact and and say, well, your constitution doesn't actually allow you to do this or um, setting up as a, an association, what are the risks and these kind of things. So just having chats before you hit the ground running. around. So that's more of works. setting up a, a not-for-profit or a charitable mm. or even an association. You know, to say you're an association, you're representing others. Yeah. There are legal obligations that come with that and there's a huge amount of regulation that says I am an association, I'm representing these people and how you form that Um, and then on the other side of it I guess there's commercial organisations that are looking to have a component of their business that is about giving back. Do they need to go through the same level of rigour or is it really a matter of saying here's my profit, here's what I want to do and I need to more look at the other organisations I'm giving to and make sure they've got their I guess they're ducks in a row as far as governments goes. Yeah that's absolutely right. So the the larger organisations that yeah, want to give back um, financially or through time service or anything like that. It's um, there's there's not that regulatory um, requirement. Uh, I guess it's that's on the the actual not for profits side and making sure that's um, all set up correctly. So uh, probably just need a uh, from a tax perspective, um, just make sure that they're a duct- deductible gift recipient. So um, which is a yeah, which is you can obtain if you've you've got that core um, 
philanthropic <laughs> um, purpose. So on that and on the tax benefit that, yeah. if you donate money to an organisation that doesn't have that charitable status to get the, the tax, it becomes just a business expense like a sponsorship. Is that how it works, just on the balance, on the sheet? So yeah, to speak? yeah, so it would essentially be a, a sponsorship rather than a donation and you need to kind of create a nexus between your business and this kind of stuff. But I don't want to bore people too much with No, I think that definition is really important for people to understand though because there are almost those three levels of giving back. You know, there is that sponsorship where you are heart on hand saying this organisation reflects our values, it's a community organisation, they do really great things, we want either to be associated with it in terms of money and people and time or we want our logo on it or whatever it might be. Um, then there's the purely philanthropic which is about finding I guess, a, a charity that's registered as a charity that becomes a tax donation, a deduction through that and is a pure donation. And then there's the time aspect and the volunteering time aspect. And I think for organisations that are embarking on the journey, those definitions are actually crucially important in the decisions they make. Did you have anything you wanted to add to that, Sue, just about those definitions and how it works? Yeah, look, I think you clarified it really well there. And uh, that is kind of the key benefit of a community foundation because we can wrap all of that up into that one offer of, um, <clears throat> excuse me, of establishing a name fund. So any donations that are contributed to that name fund are tax deductible because we hold that deductible gift recipient um, status and it's a charity. So, um, and then we, we obviously then provide all that research around where that where those donations um, are granted out to and ensure that they're going to um, um, charities that have the, the right um, status as well. Um, and also we, as I said, part of our service is to be able to connect um, organisations to those volunteering opportunities and um, then also the opportunity to, to um, participate from a sponsorship level as well. So uh, all of those things are kind of wrapped up in what a community foundation can offer um, the local community businesses and, and individuals and families. I would just make a, a clarification on the, the kind of sponsorship side. So I think the clear thing between a donation is it has to be deductible gift recipient. With a sponsorship, you, you have to – there has to be a perception that you're getting something out of it, either like the logo blown up on a, on a billboard or something like this or, or the logos behind us. There, You have to have a, a connection to your business. But as a donation, there has – you need zero perception that you're getting anything back. You just want confidence that – your money's okay. going to and you're a, a, a good cause. Mm. So. And I think from a business leader's perspective, having that internal conversation about, you know, why you're taking the catcher's mid off and why you're giving something back for your organisation is really important. One of the things, and I'm sure you've all noticed it as well, is linking it to core business is how you actually get the maximum benefit for your staff and for your teams and even from a purely marketing point of view because if what you're giving back to reflects something that's truly important and reflects the values of the organisation, I presume you get, you know, a lot more benefit from it. And I think, Gavin, as you rightly said, making that decision of if I'm giving a sponsorship, is it appropriate for me to put my logo on, say, you know, a charity that's dealing with youth at risk or, a, you know, a homeless shelter? Probably not, you know. It, it looks a little odd if you are. But you may be able to give back, say, to, I don't know, Surf Life Saving where there's a whole lot of young people and then talk about the other things that you're doing to help youth in the community. And I think understanding that journey is really, really important um, for people. Um, 
I guess, Gail, a lot of Rotary is about giving time and, and, you know, some amazing initiatives that we see in our community from the Melville Car Park Markets, from the Melville Rotary Club, you know, right through to sort of parks in our community that often have that sort of Rotary stamp. How do you get that balance right between giving the individual and I guess Rotary as a brand something to put their name and heart on versus actually contributing sort of a little bit behind the scenes and just doing that purely philanthropic kind of work? Well, we do, as you've rightly said, a number of out there in the community where, where Rotary is very um, noticeable and seen. Um, our club, we do the Cardinia car park markets. I'll just drop that in there. Sorry, but, yeah. uh, <laughs> I should have mentioned that one. <laughs> but they're great, can I yeah, just say, car park yeah, markets, I'm a big yeah. fan. <laughs> uh, they are. They, you pick up some good bargains. But um, we, as you know, at, at a grassroots level, where, what we do in the community is generally seen, as you, as you said, observable. As a club, we provide um, some thousands of dollars each year to the Rotary Foundation, uh, an international foundation which provides grants, um, which provides ongoing grants to clubs that apply for it. So, so that's something that is is done, which is not generally seen. We also contribute quite heavily to the uh, Polio Plus Foundation, which of course has been going since the early 80s and has just about eradicated polio worldwide. So in conjunction with the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, we've worked with them for a number of years. Um, so we are in the background doing doing good works as well. Um, it's so, so it does, we do do both. I think that's yeah. really, and it mm. is really important for organisations, again, to really make that difference of are we just contributing to the community that we're part of and we operate in and we're really proud of or are we doing this for some kind of, I guess, return on our business, be that marketing, be that profile, be that, um, you know, a tax deduction. And I think, again, making those decisions around giving back like any business decision, does need to be made at quite a strategic level to say why are we in this and what are we actually giving? Um, are we doing a team building exercise? Then that's focus on, on that's actually what we're doing. And I think that's certainly what I've experienced in how businesses get the maximum from their giving is to know, I guess, why they're giving in the first place and what they're doing. Um, and on that, just um, I guess in terms of what you've seen across the business is really a personal question. Um, you know, how much value do you see leaders, in particular in this community, giving when they are or how much of it is really lip service because it's sort of an obligation or it's a tick box kind of experience? Do you want to start with that, Sue? I guess you get a lot coming through. That's a great question. I've got to say that um, it, it's it's been very much about giving mm. versus um you know, what they're getting back and uh, there is that real generosity of spirit, there is um, a real understanding that there are needs out there that don't necessarily know the root causes or of, of those needs um, but people are genuinely wanting to make a difference. They're still not quite sure how to and so that's why it's wonderful when we get to have those conversations mm. saying that we're here, we're here to help you, we're connected to it all. Um, so, yeah, that's my experience that it, there's... I'm overwhelmed on a weekly basis, the amount of people that just come and knock on our door even and just yeah. say, this is what we're thinking about or, you know, I've, I've been in this amazing role my whole life and I've reached this point, is there anything that we can do or I can do or how I can be involved? So, um, yeah, as I said, I'm 
grateful on a weekly basis the amount of generosity that's out there. It's amazing to hear. And I guess, Gavin, you know, traditionally in the, that old school kind of philanthropic way of doing business, you know, there was some, the Stan Perrins, the McCuskers, you know, there was a really strong sense of obligation to give back. Mm. Do you see that in sort of the, some of the, I guess, the terrace businesses and the modern way of doing business as much? Is it changing or is it still um, consistent? I guess within our organisation, um, recently you can see the the drive almost coming from the bottom up at times and demanding that corporate social responsibility. So, um, so we've recently um, had in the last few years established a, a, a very active corporate social responsibility committee and in terms of how we can give back and that's basically that's getting demanded from this, the, the grads up wanting to give back um, and it's that's driving the our whole organisation and, and changing a bit of the mindset. Um, I mean, it's 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 the easy one to see the defined benefits on the end and the, go down the sponsorship route and and saying this is the business benefit. Um, it, the 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 harder one is that undefined the, the the corporate social responsibility side. Um, I felt a shift within the organisation um, and definitely within businesses around the place um, in terms of yeah just changing their mindset um but it is seems to be a much more collective process isn't it It, it, that sense of i think talent attraction is a big conversation that a lot of businesses are having how do we keep and maintain people and ideas Mm. like the you know social responsibility committees is an amazing way to Mm. gather a group and team together to just really go wow my organization does this and i'm proud Mm. to be part of it yeah, and you can you can def- we make it personal as well in terms of different um, charities that have uh, different um, diseases that have affected people and how we can support those and and when you you see it affecting your colleagues and then you you really you get buy in um, from that so yeah a, a personal approach and getting people's um, personal experiences and then the organisation buys in around that which is which is pretty um, pretty good to see amazing yeah absolutely. Um, I might just hand back to Sue briefly. Um, Sue, say someone comes to you, what advice do you differ it for an individual, a small organisation or a large organisation in terms of, or are they kind of all part of the same pathway just in smaller chunks when you yeah, give that advice? Um, <clears throat> I said there's uh, a couple of different sort of entry points as in Impact 100 is um, a great spot for some people to start their philanthropic journey uh, so they can just sort of test it and see how it works, see how involved they want to be, the impact that it has. Uh, and that can be for, for a corporate or for an individual. Um, and then how they share that. I mean, on a corporate level, obviously, they're able to share that more broadly across their organisation. And then on an individual, it's possibly across their family and involving their family in that. Um, but the name fund opportunities are obviously available to individuals or families or businesses uh, and then as I said before there is a like a foundation fellow or corporate package there or corporate opportunity package sounds a bit uh, a bit <laughs> marketing like going to yeah. the football to uh, have our, our corporate box a little doesn't it exactly yeah. so it's, it's more a um, opportunity where businesses can um, wrap up you know some sponsorship but also that name fund um, philanthropic journey that uh, is working towards you know long-term um helping solve social problems so yeah a range of different ways but it's it's flexible and it's nimble and 
We came across all sorts of things, especially the last 12 months with COVID. So within the first few weeks of COVID um, impacting WA, we got over half a million half a million dollars worth of requests for funding from um, local not-for-profits and charities. And that was at that time beyond our immediate donor base. So I, um, on behalf of the foundation, launched a campaign. Uh, it was called WA Relief and Recovery Fund, set that up as a community fund and was able to um, attract partnerships with some other large foundations from over east actually. And we were able to distribute about $300,000 um, within sort of eight to 12 weeks of that hitting yeah and that provided you know invaluable financial support during a really tricky time and then when the fires hit the Freo community came together and they said we we are heartbroken to see what's happening um over east so we would like to from community to community we want to support those communities how do we do it you know we we don't have the structure but we're here to raise money so we worked with them and um, created a fund and um, ensured that all that money was sort of uh, collectively pulled together and then distributed in um, and, you know, and, and within the regulations. Didn't get caught up in any uh, red tape yes. that was talked about <laughs> that we've seen. And um, I think you've described, you know, I think so much of it is identifying a need, working out what you really are trying to do as an organisation and then finding ways, following that research to go, this is what we've decided and this is how we then maximise that. And I've often had that conversation, um, particularly in resources where, you know, sponsoring cycling jackets for guys to ride around the suburbs in, it's not probably giving back to the community. You know, if you are sponsoring the footy, great. But no, you're actually sponsoring the footy for corporate entertainment. You're not actually giving back to the community through that partnership. And I think, you know, being really rigorous in, in what you're doing, as you've rightly said, Sue, and I think the advice that Fremantle Foundation, we're so lucky in a way to have Rotary and Fremantle Foundation, these sorts of organisations that have spent, you know, years and years finding ways to get that balance right between all of those different styles of giving. I, I think it's we are in a very fortunate position here and we do have a very giving community as well. And we were talking earlier about that sense of collaboration just even in terms of getting a product to market, there's that, but there's also that sense of um, we're running a, a managing aggression and um, antisocial behaviour workshop here at the Chamber because we know our businesses are at the front line of dealing with issues like homelessness and, and drugs and alcohol within the community. How do we as an organisation find ways that we can give back? And I think the they're the sorts of strategic decisions that um, underlie so much of what we're talking about. And improve the business conditions for those members as well. That's right, mm. absolutely. Cal, is there any questions? Can we? I'd love to hear some. Uh, this is a question for Sue. Um, what are the benefits of using the Free Mantle Foundation rather than setting up their own a business's own charity? Mm -hmm. uh, so their own charity or their own foundation? Uh, their own charity it's probably or their foundation. Own, yeah, it's probably their own foundation. Um, setting up their own foundation involves a lot of work <laughs> and is expensive. And generally you would want to be um, in a position where you've got at least half a million dollars to, to give. Um, so that was something that was has been really, well, was really popular. Oh when John Howard brought in those <laughs> PATH rules um, and they still they work very well but the what people don't understand is there's an ongoing administration role there and there's a board that's involved there's a responsible 
person that's involved. There is um, you have to do your own auditing. So all of that administration, ongoing administration, is required. And I have a number of families that have come to me, and they they give and support us in different ways. But they've got their own private foundations. And so if we realised there was this name fund option, we would have gone that way because. 10 years down the track, you know, it's hard to find the family member that wants to be involved, that wants to oversee all of this and do all of this work. Um, but we still want to give, but we're busy. We, we're either travelling or we're involved in other things. Um, we still want to have that impact and support the community. But that would have been a simpler, more probably mm. cost-effective way for us Gavin, to do it. Gavin, did you have anything you wanted to add? Because I guess, you know, you're involved in that I guess, administrative and component, <laughs> what is actually involved and how much time does it take if uh, you're doing it yourself? Yeah, there's. I think you've nailed it in terms of the, the amount of administrative burden that is there. And I, I think over the last probably five or six years, there would have been a couple of people that I've come and seen me that I could have sent you away. <laughs> <laughs> um, because it, it people... It, often want to uh, contribute financially but the amount of time involved and um, it, it can become a bit of a burden and and I've seen uh, numerous people come in with the best intentions and and get scared away with, with the amount of work that's that's involved and um, yeah the, the auditing of financials and these kind of things and they all they want to do is just help and all of a sudden it's um, yeah it's getting bigger than Ben Hur so having um, Options. Yeah, yeah, having absolutely. those options is great. So it's a really innovative process. I agree. Is there any? You had another one there. Anyone from the audience, Michael? Did you have any questions that you wanted to ask? What can puzzle? Yeah, great. Um, I guess one of the other questions I would ask the panel, sort of before we wind up, is: as an organisation, are we better to support one key charity or one foundation or can there be ways, even on a small level, you can make a difference across a variety of areas? Maybe I'll start with you, Gail, and walk down the panel. Um, well, clearly in, in Rotary we cover a range of areas and we the, the um, organisation has four avenues of service. So we focus on community, vocational, youth and international. And um, people who join the club may have a specific interest in one of those areas and therefore they can focus their their um, efforts in those in those projects um, and it is quite uh, easy through the network of clubs worldwide to make a difference across a range of areas and I'll give an example a couple of years ago with the uh, the bushfires in the east we have ties with the Rotary Club in Butterworth in Malaysia and they donated quite a substantial amount of money uh, to the bushfires. They wanted to donate. They, they weren't sure how, so they donated through us. They gave us the, the, the money. And then we were able to, through our contacts with a Rotary Club in an area in Victoria that was affected by bushfires, we donated it to them and they built they, they were able to purchase some, um, I think it was breathing machines for the local hospital that was needed. So it was quite the... Butterworth Club was able to um, make a substantial difference to a club many thousands of kilometres away through through the network of Rotary Clubs. So we uh, were able are able to establish those links and the um, contacts through a, a range of uh, good causes, I guess, community causes. So uh, Rotary clearly sees the benefit of spreading ourselves, I guess you could say, 
to a range of areas, and that and that indeed was what attracted me to the, to the organisation as well, because it focused on a range of needs. And also being so nimble, I think you know that the um, example you provided there, I think, is such a good example of how established organisations with really strong networks, be it like the Fremantle Foundation into this community or Rotary internationally, it mm. just means that you can identify a need quickly and respond to it in a way that's very real and tangible on the ground and all of that money isn't going to, you know, administrating a large yep. charity and everyone sitting at a desk but not actually giving the real need yeah, to the very community. very much so because yeah. the connections are already there. Yeah. So, it's, so it's easy to, uh, to, to give. That's right, words. absolutely. Mm. So did you have anything to add just on that? Is it better to kind of do one big thing or, or spread the love a little bit more? Yeah, look, I know um, having worked in the not-for-profit space on the other side of the fence mm. that um, that long-term support is incredibly valuable mm. for individual charities. Uh, from a community foundation perspective, though, I think it is good to be to have that flexibility and especially if you, because I said it's a long-term journey of philanthropy and um, different issues arise and you want to have that flexibility where you can respond when it's um, when things have, you know, when those sorts of issues have arisen or there's changes or there's increased demand in certain areas. So, um, look, I see benefits to both. Um, and as I said, probably the key thing is about that longevity of your giving to, to be able to set something up so you are able to give um, in, on a long-term basis and potentially involve your family and your, your staff, uh, then that, you know, you could maybe set aside a certain amount that goes consistently towards one particular charity, but I'd always um, keep in mind the ability to support causes as they, um, as they come up or demand for, for services that yeah. um, have increased. Did you have any thoughts on that? I guess sitting on both sides of the fence as well, Gavin, you know, you see how much organisations and charities in particular just rely on that consistency of funding for their own planning and program delivery, um, I guess, versus, as Sue said, that kind of need to, to give as things arise. Yeah, I, th I think from from RSM's point of view, it's it's a larger organisation. We've got a lot, a lot of staff across the country, the world, and, and it's getting buy-in from staff I mean there's such diverse people around with different different issues close to heart so uh, that, that ability to to I guess spread um, spread the love around a little bit is, is a little bit more important because you can um, yeah align with staff and, and, and get their their, their buy-in um, so for a large organization I guess um, yeah you, spread it around but the philanthropy aspect um that prolonged benefit finding a few key key aspects that um hit home for everyone is is probably a good aspect as well mm. and maybe a few key aspects that really fit the values of your exactly. organization as well to make that difference there is so much food for thought in everything i think my mind's even blowing in terms of you know how we think about the chamber in terms of what we give to and the projects that we support within the community but also the, the individuals that um you know, put their heart on their sleeve and in particular an organisation like Rotary where for so many years, you know, different generations of individuals have put their hand up to say, I want to give something back. Um, you know, it's a quite extraordinary part of thinking about a business and the role that we have um, to not just build businesses for economic growth but build businesses that support the, the communities in which we operate. 
Is there any other questions on the line, Carol? Well, thank you to all of those listening, um, as well as our amazing panel today. We're very, very grateful and our audience uh, in the room. Um, I'd like to maybe conclude with some very wise words of Winston Churchill when he said, we make a living by what we get, but we make a life by what we give. And I think that certainly summed up today's conversation very well. So thank you, Mr Churchill. And uh, thank you to Chris, our incredible AV technician um, from Cloud AV, who does a great job uh, making sure we can all be heard. And thank you, everyone else. And please join us for some more morning tea and maybe a pastry or two. <laughs>